0: this is the three to win podcast sharing optimal steps to win your day month and year your money and your life are like crossroads and when they meet true success can be discovered our real talk conversations are about creating fulfillment throughout your life's journey and now here is the life could team hey welcome to the three to win podcast you've got me Rich and John and Matt, and we are going to talk about dun dun dun, dun 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 mission imposter. Do you know what the imposter syndrome is? It's called a lot of things, but a lot of people refer to it as imposter syndrome it's when you're in a situation professionally or personally, and you feel like I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. Everyone knows more than I do. It's when you have a job or maybe as a parent or whatever, and you just feel like everybody else has this stuff together and you're lacking in something when in fact, it probably just isn't true. So we want to talk a little bit about this because we think this is something that affects people's personal growth, professional growth, psychological growth, all sorts of things. So guys, let's talk a little bit about mission imposter, the imposter syndrome. Can you guys kind of relate to that?
1: yeah yeah definitely i mean i can we use this podcast as an example for that i mean we're like 12 or 13 episodes in the first few we did i'm like who's why are we who's gonna why are we the authority on this who's gonna listen to us about this kind of stuff yeah and yeah, we, we got, are not like,
2: professionals in terms of podcasters i mean we're we're working towards that but uh yeah the first few were like why are we here what are we doing
0: what is the plural of podcaster it would be podcasties podcast eyes podcast eyes. Podcast like
1: eye. I, I don't know.
0: Podcast eye. Yeah, hey, what is for on the special today? We have a very nice podcast eye. We like I'm, to cook it slowly with,
1: you know, yeah, that's right. It sounds like <laughs> Well, it it's fun. not, I don't want to give away like our, our three big secrets for what we're going to end with, but one, uh, I will because one of them is taking baby steps. And we have in this show, like I feel like it's progressed even in these last few episodes, quality oh, of I, audio, what we're talking about, all that good stuff.
2: I don't want to give a, another one away of ours, but preparation. I mean, we we prepare pretty hard for these podcasts. I mean, we is it,
0: is it preparation? F G. It's, yeah. Like?
2: Well, we're on plan H right now. We've gone through A through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we prepare like Feels a lot good. for these. So I think like that is a, that's you know that shows through. I think in the content is that we're not like out here nope. winging it. It's and we and we'd like more. to
0: on this podcast just give a really quick shout out to our our newest corporate sponsor, Preparation H. <laughs> <The> sponsor <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. We need just to get kidding. this on their
1: social media. <laughs> just, yeah, but now's my, a, now's also it, probably right? a good time to mention. So you know, obviously, we want feedback from listeners. So we created. We have we have an email address set up now. We each have our own, but mine's John J O H N at three to win the number three and then spelled you know T O W I N dot com or dot co rather. We'll fix this. Oh, so three yeah. to win.co. So John at three to win But email us because we want to be able to hear from you guys. Like, what do we ta- are we talking about the right stuff? Is this good? What other conversations do you want us to be having? Right. And so that I'm rich at three to win you're gonna and, get so you're gonna get more you're gonna get more emails than I don't think than so. me I don't think yeah well but
0: I, I I hope I do because it makes me feel really good so hey we want to also give a shout out to our our friends on social media that have found us on a podcast from TikTok all my TikTok peeps what's up and people on instagram got seventeen thousand followers on instagram now it's growing it's That's growing
1: awesome man so, um, wow. we just to- i have 40 I rich i have four zero but so it's really I'm good it's towards- okay. i'm one of them
0: so you actually yeah um so i should unfollow you so you'll have 39 and then i'll follow you back again so you'll Aww. feel like you got back up again but anyway let's let's get into this enough enough shenanigans and comedy let's get into this let's talk a little bit about this so um real quick when we did a little bit of our research about um, imposter syndrome um, came across a couple of really good articles and one article really kind of hit me and I believe it was from from Time magazine from from a few years ago and it talked about um, the types of people that imposter syndrome strike first of all perfectionists many people that are listening to this look if you're the type of person that is regularly listening to a podcast on how to make your life better, your business better, your family better your work better, whether it's us, whether it's whoever you know you're probably Somewhat of a perfectionist, or somebody that cares about really being a high performer and getting things done. So perfectionists, they set their standards so high for themselves that that anything less than hundred percent is like feels like a failure. And John, you and I had a garage talk about this last week. Um, I came over to John's house to to borrow something, and we started getting into this conversation. And it was a great conversation, by the way, John. Thanks, you helped me out a lot.
1: Oh, and,
0: and in that conversation, um, you mentioned something that we share, which is this need to be a perfectionist. And that, you know, so I speak for a living, right? So I might, let's say if I had, you know, 70 speaking engagements in a year and, you know, 69 of them are perfect tens and one's a nine, I'm like, what? Like, I feel devastated, like sick to my stomach, you know, or, or like I failed somehow. Meanwhile, everybody else is looking at me like I'm crazy because it's a 99.999. It's a 10 basically, right? You were talking about the same thing for you. So I think let's just real quick, perfectionists. Do you guys not agree that perfectionists suffer from imposter syndrome because they expect themselves to be so masterful that anything less than absolute perfection makes them feel like they don't belong at the table?
2: yeah absolutely and i I think it part of it is just that um that the way you're wired is to think that you are the one who should be able to deliver this impactful amazing know-it-all and it's just we're not we're not that right everybody feels like it's okay right
0: everybody feels like i am the chosen one like i'm the one that's supposed to bring everything and and so it, it, while it's good, John, because you're a perfectionist, would you would you call yourself a perfectionist? Because yeah, I would. Yeah. Look at your yeah, hair so. at ten in the morning so. or whatever. And,
1: <laughs> and we're not even doing this for video yet, so people can't no. even see it. But I just wanted to look good for you guys.
0: Here we are on a Saturday at ten in the morning, and John's hair. Is perfect like whose hair is perfect on a saturday
2: it's a good thing we're not on video because i'm wearing the same shirt i've been wearing for last couple days this whole quarantine thing keeps keeps my hygiene in a different level than what it used to be your quarantine
0: fashion look but being a perfectionist john do you feel like that serves you and hurts you at the same time
1: yeah it's a double-edged sword i mean in a lot of ways i feel like it's what's it's it's what's led us to where we are you know professionally um a lot of the habits and traits that I have, I mean, those are good things too, that I am a perfectionist, mm-hmm. but no, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and I think the imposter syndrome is definitely something that I suffer from. I mean, in my own, my own personal journey, I mean, everybody knows cause we've talked about it. Like we're in the, we're in the financial services industry. I'm 33. So when I was, I've been in the industry since I was 21. So I think mm-hmm. I was like 21 or 22. I had my very first ever meeting and uh, it was actually by accident. Um, I, I, I you know a, a meeting was double booked I had to come in actually I think Matt it was I think it was a meeting where you were double booked guilty so, yeah I might
2: have double booked a meeting and needed someone to step in I feel like this was like on purpose just,
1: like Mr. Mentor over here was like I'm gonna see what this guy can do so you,
2: you sent in so <laughs> you, yeah.
1: I'm just gonna mess my whole calendar up and then just let John figure in, out all the pieces in, that do, fall out of it you sent
0: in Doogie Hauser.
2: Do
1: you know who <laughs> Yeah, of course. No, okay, I, I do. No, we always you. have to do the, the millennial, millennial track. check. Okay, okay, got gotcha. I know him more as Barney Stinson from because he had a he had a second Legend. coming for in, it, in How I Met Your Mother. But anyway, so <laughs> uh, man, yeah, I I get I jump into this meeting, I'm I'm credentialed, like I'm licensed. I I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. But here I am with all these like self-inflicting doubts in my own head. You know, who am I to be having this conversation? I'm not old enough. We're talking about asset allocation. We're talking about long term retirement planning. It's a big deal. Those are really important conversations. And that voice in the back of your head at that moment in my life was really a loud voice. You know, it was like just that self doubt, that imposter syndrome. And there's really two ways to go about it for me. And I think that perfectionist mentality, um, which, you know, in this way served me that it, I just realized like, I got to get better at this. I can't, I can't listen to that. And so the next meeting I had, the next meeting I had, the next meeting I had, like that voice was still there. It was still present. I still had those butterflies in my stomach, but it progressed. It progressively got better. Now here I am, whatever, 11 years later. And that is, that's, that's a much smaller voice. And for meetings, for stuff like that, it's almost non-existent now
2: and as awful as that feeling probably was for you in that first initial meeting it really did define the the path of your career so th- first of all you're welcome because <laughs> i did that uh, i love second, you matthew second of all you know knowing knowing you now 12 years later or however long it's been you know you don't go to any task or any meeting or anything without a tremendous amount of preparation that goes into it probably cuz a small part of you in the back of your head said, I never want to feel that way ever again. What can I do to do that? Well, I can not ever just go into a meeting and wing it. You know, that's just not, you don't ever want to have that feeling. I think it's important to have it at some point because that might've been what flipped the switch for you. But, um, you know, I think that That that's a that's one that all that's a good bad thought. Is that is that possible to have a good bad thought? No, I I know it makes
0: sense. Like it, it's like a situation that you learn from. You learn from the negative things. You learn from the tough things. You learn from the hard things. You don't really learn from like if you have a perfect meeting you know, it's unlikely that you're like, oh, wow, I, I just had a perfect meeting. Let's do that again. I mean, that's what you think happens, but it really doesn't. You just kind of feel like, wow, I was in flow. Everything was great. When you have something bumpy that happens to you, that's when you walk away going, I don't want that to ever happen again. And the discomfort is what drives you to be better and to be different. You and know? Can, so-
1: can I just say to that point, Rich, I, I think back, I can't remember my second meeting, my fifth meeting, my 10th meeting, but that meeting, I remember who it was, I remember mm-hmm. what we talked about. I mean, th- I I honestly I I could re- I remember the feelings that I had. I could give mm-hmm. you a play by play 11 12 years later of that exact meeting. And it's and to to Matt's point, now it's a preparation thing where I want to make sure and and even way back then it was and this is where the perfectionism is like definitely a problem. Like there's a difference between over preparing and being properly prepared. And so maybe I over prepared, but I'd rather be over prepared and spend 10x the amount of time to be overprepared and silence that voice that was in the back of my head, and just right. take those baby steps to be to be better.
0: So I think that's the first one. Is the per- yeah? So absolutely, and and I I can relate to that. Um, just really quick, I remember when I first started speaking, um and I was doing great. You know, so I had probably at that point I would say 30 speaking engagements under my belt. I was brand new, but you know, still that's a lot for like your first year as a brand new speaker, and my average was a 9.99 and then somebody that I worked with, who was senior to me, who was also a speaker. (laughs) So I always wondered if this was like a, as the three stooges used to say, Sabituji, but um, (laughs) was senior to me and, and a boss kind of person and said, you know, you have to change this, 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 and this, don't do this, this, and this, when you speak at this next engagement. And I remember where I was, I remember what the hotel looked like, I remember where, what happened, and I changed everything he told me to change and it was the lowest I've ever been rated as a speaker. I didn't bomb completely, but let's just say I went from like an average of a 9.98, 9.99 audience rating to an 8.79. That never happened to me before, and it's never happened since. But I remember being in the Tampa airport, wanting to throw up, Almost near tears, and I said, "I never want to feel that way again." Um, and so, sometimes you remember the times you fell flat on your face or messed up or whatever as perfectionists, and that drives you not want that to happen again. The other type of person that imposter syndrome seems to strike are experts, and very briefly, it's just because if you're an expert, you know you guys are experts in your field. Um, I'm, I guess, I'm an expert in what I do. You feel as an expert, you're supposed to know everything. Now, that's different than a perfectionist. A perfectionist wants to present well, do well, but an expert, you feel like you're supposed to know everything, and that can create an imposter syndrome. For me, that was very evident when I was a clinical nurse, and I remember I used to do transports, and I was working at a very large tertiary hospital that was kind of world famous, all this kind of stuff, and then we would sometimes go to smaller community hospitals to pick up sick children to bring them back to us where we did very specialized care. And sometimes we'd show up at these hospitals. So you'd show up in the ER and the ICU. And you were, you know, if you flew, you were in a flight suit. So you looked very kind of, you know, in a uniform. And if you didn't fly, if you were driving, sometimes we still weren't trained, you know, we look like, you know, like the rescue team, you know. And you'd show up, and here would be I'd be with a colleague at this other hospital who was probably as experienced as I was, probably more educated in most cases, um, maybe worked in a place that didn't see exactly the level of things that I saw, but they were up to par well with me, if equal if not better. And I would notice they'd be very nervous talking to me, like I was gonna judge them or be whatever. And I would sometimes feel this overwhelming feeling of imposter syndrome because I'd be sitting there seeing how they're reacting to me. Like I'm, you know, amazing and I know everything and I don't, and I'm nervous and I don't know everything. And they're asking me questions. And I put this pressure on myself because I feel like I'm supposed to know everything by the book. And I was once taught that an expert, and we talked about this in our pre-conversation. And a true expert is not necessarily somebody who knows everything, but is somebody who knows how to find out things. So, like in your world, if I were to ask you some bizarre question about, you know, money that goes through the European Union and is filtered, da 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 da. And how do I invest in this? And maybe if it's something that you just haven't dealt with before, you're an expert. You might not know the answer right off the top of your head, but you know where to find it. Right? Does that make sense, Matt? Like you would know what resource to go to if you had to look something up that you weren't familiar with.
2: Yeah, not only that, but I also you learn how to tactfully say to someone, I I you know, you can say it in a really smart way that you just don't know the answer to that, but you know where to go find it. Instead of trying to make something up, instead of being an imposter, instead of just winging it, you have the um you already have in your mind that hey, I don't know that and that's okay, but I tell you what, I'm going to go find that out and we will report back to you on it. That happens on a weekly basis in our industry because The financial industry is just so complex, especially when you bring in all of the different elements to it, tax planning and estate planning, uh, investment and retirement, there's going to be stuff that we just, a human doesn't know every single detail of each one of those four areas. But again, with the confidence, being well prepared for a meeting, I can say, I don't know that, but here's here's what I do know, and I'm going to find out more about that answer, and I look at that as an opportunity. I think the person that you say that to also realizes, hey, this person's not going to wing it and just give me an answer to just satisfy me. He's going to go find or she's going to go find that out and get back and get back and, and truly find the problem or find the answer to the problem. And I
0: think when people are really are truly suffering with imposter syndrome, and John, I I I go back to that meeting that you talk about. Like I wonder if you at that point. Would have been reluctant to say I don't know the answer to that question, and you would have felt the need to like you know tap dance and come up with something. Whereas now, because I've seen you do this, you would probably say, you know what, um, I'm not really sure about that. Let me let me look into that. Would you agree? I mean, back then when it was much more the, the imposter syndrome was strong with you, do you think that you would have been more likely to try to pretend like you knew something, or if not, pretend like? Does that make sense? You understand yeah, what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it does. It makes sense, probably. And I think now, even to to Matt's point, I mean, we'll have a meeting. It could be an initial meeting. I mean, someone that hasn't even onboarded as a client yet, and we're very confident in now saying, "Hey, we are not like we're not know-it-alls." I mean, the, the financial field is vast. Things are ever changing. But what we don't know, we will find out. And especially, you, know, you think about it, like if it's if it's really particular and important to someone's financial life we're, you know, we're going to find out those answers. So I think now we have a confidence to even be able to say that essentially up front.
2: You know, you mentioned a word of know-it-all. And I wonder just as we talk through this, if all the know-it-alls we know in our own personal worlds, and we all have that person that is a know-it-all, I I wonder if that person just on the inside, if we're going to put ourselves in that shoes, that person, that person must feel like that they do have the imposter syndrome. They just maybe don't know what that is. But the reason why they're a know-it-all, the reason why they're a one-upper or whatever you know whatever they they have, it's because they have doubts and fears, and but they don't. They're not In security, projecting. Insecurity. They're overcompensating
0: for insecurity. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant insight. I think that a lot of people that try to show how much they know on a constant, regular basis, it's because there's a you know I'm thinking of two I'm thinking of two people right now that just popped into my mind, and they're both nice people, good people. Love them. But they're the types of people that whenever you say, hey, you know, this particular vitamin does. Oh, yeah, I already I've been taking it for three years. Okay, um, this. Yeah, I know that. I read that article, you know, and it's always like you can never there's never an insight that you could share with them like that. They've they've never heard the answer to before. And but I know them personally and I know them to be deeply, very insecure people. So I think that's a great insight. And I think a lot of us are. I am. We all have insecurities. And I think imposter syndrome. Even when you're really good at what you do and you know your stuff. So let's take it out of work. Let's make it about being a parent, right? How many people that are listening to this, and not everybody might be a parent, but I'm using that as an example. Let's say you're a parent and you're around other parents and they all seem to have their stuff together. Their kids look great at the birthday party. They got there on time. The gift was wrapped. You know, everybody, they're, you know, they don't, they're not rubbing Cheetos on their white t-shirt and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm a mess, like my kids are, I'm a hot mess. They, they know so much. They're, they're so great. And then when you get to know these folks, you start to realize, no, they, they've got the same stuff. I just caught them on a good day. You know, The kids had some sleep. They took their nap that day. Um, but you, when you see other people kind of, kind of getting it right you know sometimes it brings that insecurity out in you and I, and we all know those parents who know everything right like you start to say like John you're like oh you know Ella didn't sleep really good yesterday and there's that parent that's like oh well you must be doing this and you're not and you're <laughs> like you know it's it's it may be they might have some insight but sometimes it's th- but when you know those people they might be insecure and the of other course, thing yeah. you know
1: you're just not tickling her back for <laughs> long, yeah though. yeah yeah you got a it's been, one hour back yeah, tickles yeah it's but you know what someday she's not going to come in and say daddy i need you of course and so of course i embrace it happened today it happened literally <laughs> last night i hear on the monitor mommy daddy and i'm like i got it and i just like ran up and i was like, i got it i got her and because I, I i still like that feeling so maybe i'm the problem honestly <laughs> clearly i'm the, i'm not the problem but <laughs> clearly
2: anyway. yeah and i would say like if you were like oh my gosh i don't know why i'm getting i'm not getting any sleep and i i as an outsider i'm i always give you a hard time about it and i'm truly giving you a hard time because i think it's absolutely adorable but as a, as a dad with boys it's different than probably a dad with girls and so yes for my boys if it's mommy daddy it's get back to bed right now (laughs) you know it's not i'm gonna come in and tickle your back for an hour and we'll just see i have gotten i have definitely i have
1: definitely gotten some unsolicited advice by it and i'm like well it's been like a challenge for the last year so we've we've navigated can I, can i ask
0: you guys both something because you're in your 30s you're in your 40s i'm in my 50s so do you guys ever have imposter syndrome as dads
1: sure absolutely i mean i think it's easy to like we're all navigating our own sets of like challenges and problems it's easy to Look at someone else and see what they're doing. Compare yourself to to another situation. I mean, who who wouldn't? You know, I, I, that's just my thought.
2: Yeah, yeah. Rich and I we we grabbed dinner on uh, last week and we were talking about our kids. And you know, Rich's kids are a little bit older than uh you know than than mine are. But you know, I think Rich was sort of having that birds and the bees talk maybe with with one of his kids. And I I thought like oh my, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin with these types of conversations. And so I had a moment as we were having dinner and just kind of just having a nice time. And I was like, oh my gosh. You did look I a little not... nervous during that part of the day. No,
0: very, like, oh, yeah, God. I'm like,
2: oh my God. He was God, like, Rich, can I, I can I
0: pay you to do that? Would you like, can you come over and just have that conversation when it's time? It's
2: So yeah, that happened between us even. Yeah. And it was just uh, like a one-off thing. And I, I felt that moment of like, who... Who might explain to my kids how this whole process works and at what age do you do it and how do you but- say it and but all then I things, did explain so. to you, because, you know,
0: I have a 22-year-old, I have an 11-year-old, and I have a six-year-old. And I did explain to Matt, though, with my 22-year-old, and I'm a registered <laughs> nurse, like I'm an expert in, like, anatomy, physiology, all that. stuff. Like, I, the first time I did it, I was very honest with you, I did not do a great job. Like, I don't yes. know why, but when I started talking to him, I started talking about mommy lions and daddy lions. Like, I couldn't just make it
2: about people. <laughs> like,
0: That's great. Like I wouldn't do that again, but I shared that with you because I saw you getting so like, oh my god! But then what about this? I go wait, just you know, because I sound like I'm so good at this, I really messed it up the first time. Like I had to redo everything because my son was all fixated on lions. So we'll get into that in another show. Last but not least, I just do want to cover this part: people who have a natural ability at something. Will tend to suffer as we'll send to sorry, we'll tend to suffer from imposter syndrome. In other words, I'll use Luke as an example, my 11 year old. When he was in martial arts and he's a black belt, and I remember as he was moving up his belts, this kid would he'd practice kind of half heartedly, but when it came down to the test, he'd kind of practice a little harder, maybe the night before. And I'd be a little nervous, and then I'd go for his test. And this kid would be, if not the best, at least in the top three out of 25, 30 kids, like he would nail his stuff perfectly. And then there was one, because everything came natural to, to him. It was just natural. It was easy. He got it. And then there was one test that he had to do. He did the same process. This was a little different. It was stuff that wasn't maybe as natural to him. And it was the first test that he didn't pass. And he was already a black belt. It was as he was moving up the black belt ranks. It was the first test that he didn't pass. And it was really devastating to him. And of course, I let him, you know, I let him fail. I let him experience that. I supported him through it. His sensei, his teacher said something really important to him. He said, if I, if I just give you one extra chance and pass you, because he had to do it in three times and he didn't. And on the fourth one, he did it. And he said, then it won't mean the same. It won't mean as much. And Luke on the right home was crying. And I pulled over and I said, buddy, I'm sorry. What are you feeling? He's like, I'm a failure. You're not a failure, but you did fail. I said, failing doesn't make you a failure. You know, it just means you failed. And what are you going to do differently? And we had this whole conversation and he said to me, maybe I don't deserve to be a black belt because in his mind, because everything had come so easy to him, the one time it didn't come easy to him and maybe he had to work a little harder, it shook him a little bit. So do you guys ever, would you like, maybe you've experienced and you don't have to go into a whole big thing, but have you ever experienced that where it's like something that always comes easy to you? And then one day something new is kind of thrown at you and it kind of throws you off and you're like, oh my gosh, you start to question yourselves.
2: I feel it? like failure is one of the most important traits that I can give to my kids. If that's like super weird to say that no, out loud right now. But I, Great. at this point with my boys, I don't want them to fail at anything. I'm a father. Like I want them to just excel. But I've even seen it. Um, my son also goes to the same dojo that Luke went to. And I have witnessed him failing in a, in a part of it. And I know that when he gets home, he's going to be bummed. It's going to be tough. But he's going to he's going to practice his butt off. That that failure was so incredibly important for him to, and that kills you as a parent. You're like, oh my god! All i I was yell, you know, all I want to do is yell at him, like, hey, do this, do this this way, mm-hmm. and you got it, buddy. But no, I sat there quietly. I let him fail. I support. But those are, and I look back at my own personal life. Where do where did I get all of the good traits? Maybe it was from failures that have occurred, small micro failures, nothing like major. No one's you know doing something awful, but these micro failures are incredibly important because it defines who you are. And the people that are able to persevere, look at those failures and say, I'm never going to let this happen again, or I'm going to do whatever it takes to let this happen again. Cause that's, that feeling sucks. I want to always feel good.
0: I always say within your failure lies your fortune. I, I believe that 100% within your failure lies your fortune. If you, if you look at any great woman or man in history, if they can't share with you, or let me say this differently, any great woman or man in history will share with you times that they have failed and what they got from that and how it Im- affected them and impacted them. You know, I think about Abraham Lincoln. I think about, you know, so many people in history that talk openly about when I failed, you know, Edison, Tesla. I mean, you know, everybody, anybody that you look up to Steve jobs, I mean, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of some other examples that as, as my brain is like, zzz, but any great woman or man in history can talk about their failures. And usually it's within your failure that lies your fortune. I think here's the deal. I think, um, we talked about age, you know, sometimes that can bring out imposter syndrome. You might be really good at what you do. You might know your stuff, be licensed, certified, have some experience, but you sit at a table and uh, John, I think you used the word grit. Was it gray hair what was it? Gray.
1: Yeah, something like that. You, you gray hair like, and crow's feet. I don't know. Yeah, when, like, wrinkles sitting, and gray hair.
0: When you're sitting around with people who look like they've lived a few and they've got some wisdom and some time, you know, like they're Dumbledore, you know, and you're Harry Potter. You have to say it that way, Harry Potter. And you're Harry Potter, you know. But you think about, you know, Harry Potter, who was this amazing, gifted gift, right? And then there's Dumbledore, who's been around forever. But yet, yeah, Dumbledore was looking up to Harry Potter the whole time, whereas Harry Potter was looking at this, you know, wise old wizard, like he was everything. But age at that point had nothing to do with anything. It had to do with a bunch of other things. The other thing, and I'm just going to say this, and we're three guys, so, you know, to our female listeners, you know, I just want to say it this way. I've worked in a female-dominated profession most of my life. I'm a nurse. Most of the women, most of the people that i work with now and in the past have been women. And a lot of my female friends have shared with me that they've suffered from this because of the, you know, and I'm just saying this, I'm not making any kind of whatever stance or whatever, but, you know, let's just say a male dominated world or whatever. And a lot of women, when they've gotten to leadership roles or supervisory roles or all these kinds of things, you know, the old boys club and they're sitting at this table. And a lot of my female friends have said, sometimes like I sit there and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and they they start to have these little doubts in their head. And and the, ones, the, the women that I know, we start talking, I'm like, man, you're more educated, more experienced. You did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. But a lot of them it was a struggle for them they, they struggled with that the other thing is experience sometimes people feel like well if i don't have 25 years under my belt then i should just sit at the table quietly i'd say a new set of eyes when you're sitting at the table when you're in the meeting when you're in the factory when you're in the warehouse when you're wherever you work and whatever you do even if you don't have 25 years of experience sometimes having a new set of eyes you know like i don't know your industry very well but one time john and i met at, at a panera And I don't know anything about the finance world. And we were talking about your business. And I said, what if you did this? And what if you did this? And there was like, if I'm not to pat myself on the back, but I'm just making the point of the three of us. I remember you were like, there was a couple of things you implemented just from my new set eyes. Being someone who knows nothing is not in your industry is not licensed, but as an outside view, let's say I was a new employee, I could have brought something to the table. And the other thing that intimidates people is education. They feel like, oh my God, I don't have my master's or I don't have my bachelor's or I don't have this. And I could tell you, my career certainly has moved way faster than my education. Moved. So I think those are some components that that bring out that imposter syndrome in people. When you guys, I mean, just John, would you agree? I mean, like age, maybe your gender, your experience, your, your education, these things make people doubt themselves. And yet, while all three of those things might make you doubt yourself, all, or all four of those things, that's how good I am at math, which is exactly why I'm not in the financial industry. Um, those can also be your strengths. Your strengths, can, your weaknesses that you perceive as weaknesses sometimes can be your strengths. Sometimes sure. make you stand out. You Absolutely.
1: Know. Yeah. I, 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 and I can share, I'll, I'd like to share a personal story. It'll be a short one, but we were doing a client event once and um, there were a handful of our clients that are, you know, they're, they're friends. They, a lot of people know each other within our client community and there are a handful of women. Um, Talking together, and I walked into this conversation. They're all sort of like snickering, and it got like awkward and quiet. So I was like, All right, like, what's the deal? What gives? What are we talking about? And they said, Well, we were all um, speculating and taking guesses on what how old you are. And so I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. You know, at the time, at that time, I think I was 24, no more than 25. And I said, Well, I don't know. We'll like raffle something off to like whoever's like closest to the pin. So you ladies, guess. The guesses that I got were like 35, 31. They were all like in their 30s. And what I learned is what I realized at that moment in my career, even though I was still like early on in my career, I was four years in, I had, you know, licensing, I was credentialed. And I realized, you know, I I am an authority. I'm an expert in this area. And this imposter syndrome that I had or this story, this narrative that I created of like, I'm young. I'm young. It's a problem. I'm young. I'm going to have to overcome this in a meeting. I'm going to have to convince somebody why I'm smarter than somebody who's 50 and why I'm good at this. And what I realized was, you know, they didn't, they didn't even know how old I was. They thought I was like 10 years older than I was. And that, that was like my moment where the age thing just erased, like it completely went away. I think it's how you carry yourself,
0: too. I mean, just, you know, and, and this people may be able to relate to this. One of the things that I think, you know, if, if I look at the two of you guys as guys that are younger, people that are younger than I am, um, John, you carry yourself with a demeanor of confidence and steadfast steadfastness and likability. You know, you're very, very good at at eye contact and listening. You're probably one of the best listeners as a 30-something-year-old that I know. Matt, you're somebody who is, you know, the way that you hold yourself is, and, and I know it's funny because you always kind of joke around that, like you're like the least, you know, emotional one or whatever, but yet I always find you to be super compassionate. Like whenever I talk to you about things, you you seem to care, you know, and, and I don't think you can fake, I just don't think you can fake that, at least not with me. I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty streetwise with people, and I, I get from you that while you might not be the like, you know, mushy, you know, guy that I am where it's I wear it on the sleeve and it's super obvious. I think they're, you know, for you, you know, it's like, what do they say? Still waters run deep. Um, and I think for for the people that are listening, you know, we want you to have a takeaway with this, because I think everyone can relate to a version of imposter syndrome just to recap imposter syndrome means when you feel like wow i don't belong here i'm not good enough everyone else is better than me you know they're they're all more experienced they're older they're more educated they're dot 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 dot, dot fill in the blanks so we want to leave you guys with a couple of things that we think from our reading from our learnings from our lived experiences um that we think would be helpful. And so I don't know who wants to go first? We'll do a, a raising hand Does you want to go, John, you do, you yeah, do your yeah, I'll go takeaway. first.
1: and it's it's what I talked about before, but it's taking baby steps. you know, it's it's facing that facing that fear, basically threatening to silence that little voice of uh, of imposter syndrome in the back of your head. I mean, for me, that's really all it was. That's what it was about. It was like one step, one foot in front of the other, have that next meeting, have that next conversation. and slowly but surely, I was able to overcome that in in the way that I was dealing with it when I was younger in my career. And I'll say the the next one again that
2: I led with at the beginning of our podcast was preparation. Is that by over-preparing, by not making assumptions, by truly becoming a student of your craft, that will help to eliminate that feeling that you might have had at some point in time where you said, do I belong here? What am I doing? If you can do anything in your power, to make it so that that feeling doesn't come up. And I think the best way, honestly, is through is one of the ways is through preparation um, is uh, is how I is how I've overcome in the past.
0: And for me, I would say stop comparing yourself to others. Too often we look at other people and we look at them and we see the external. We see how they're presenting themselves. We see how they're dressed or how they walk or how they speak or whatever. And we think, wow she really has it together. I'm a hot mess. And really, when you get to know that person, if you were able to like really follow them around, which would be creepy because that could be like breaking stalking laws. But let's just say that you were really able to like just be around them day in and day out. They are probably as much of a hot mess as you are. If anything, they might have, you know, ABC together, but DEF is a hot mess. You know, where, whereas you have D E F together, and for you A B C is a hot mess. I think we're all carrying around our backpack of you know amazingness, and at the same time, we have our lunchbox of you know loserness. You know, we we all carry the good and the bad with us at all times. Sometimes in the public eye, we only put our best foot forward. You know, I, I as a goofy as heck example. You know, When I do like my TikTok stuff, a lot of it's very positive and very happy. And I get this question. I got, I got a bunch of them on a live I did yesterday. And by the way, I want to thank my TikTok listeners because we've been able to raise over $1,000 for St. Jude Children's Hospital. And I just got to give that as a shout out, as an aside. I know that's, that's like flash, what? But um, look at chicken. But um, these people have been just amazing people. But when we were on this live, a lot of people said, how are you so positive all the time? How are you so uplifting and happy? And John and Matt know me very well. I there. Sometimes I'm really not. Sometimes I really struggle and and have deep pain and really I'm down and hurt. But sometimes I can put that forward because I just you know go mission first. So I, I I want other people to feel good. So I put my own stuff aside. So I would say for me I would leave it at stop comparing yourself to others. And and when you find yourself doing it, just say to yourself like you know they they might look like they're the best, but they probably also a hot mess. Like it's it's the same as you are. So listen. We hope that, that as we round this up, th- the whole point of this is that people that are listening to this, like I said at the top, are probably higher performers. Higher performers are perfectionists, you're experts, and you certainly have an, uh, maybe an experience of things coming naturally to you. All those three things are a perfect storm of imposter syndrome. That's, all of those things can bring that out in you. So baby steps, as John said, take little things at a time understand what you're doing. Don't expect to have it all and know it all, all at once preparation. You know, if you're nervous about something over prepare, it's okay. Stay up that extra 20 minutes to do it or wake up that extra hour to review your notes or, or to practice or whatever it has to be. And for me, I left you with stop comparing yourself to others. As soon as you find yourself looking at somebody like, Oh my gosh, they have it all together. I'm such a mess. Just realize they're probably just as much of a mess as you are. So I think that's where we're going to leave it for Dun 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 Mission Imposter. We want to thank you for being part of the three to win journey. We hope that you're getting something out of this. Please leave kind comments. Please rate us highly if you feel so. If not, just scroll to another podcast. Just kidding. And please share this with people that you think might benefit from this. We are so grateful for you guys joining us. We we learned so much. Check out our emails. Um, John, shout out those emails one more time.
1: Yeah, uh, so it's John at three to win. Matt at three to win. and Rich at three to win. co, and that's the number three T O W I N.
0: dot co. Hey, listen. So speaking of dot co, it's time for us to dot go. We love you guys. We're grateful for you being here. Have an amazing day. Be awesome, and we hope you got some things to help you win. Take care, guys. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Three to Win is a podcast for the high-achieving self-starter that understands there has got to be a better way to maximize their potential. You can help us create impact by sharing this with a friend or rating and reviewing our
1: podcast.